Welcome to Bible Center Church, and thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We pray that the Lord speaks to you as you hear from His Word today. Um, Just want to let you know beforehand that I do have some jokes in here today, and I am fully expecting no response because of the comatose that we are in between this, this year. It's like, especially when Christmas lands in a middle of the week, what day is it right now? Um, maybe you've seen some memes on social media. It's this time like, what day is it? Where am I? Well, today is Sunday. You are here and we're going to have some fun. I'm going to grab this table right here. So how many of us, as we think back of to 2019, think that it was a great year? Anybody in here think 2019 was a great year? Go ahead, raise your hand. All right. For some of us, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands right here, but maybe some of us, we think 2019 was meh, maybe just kind of okay. And others, maybe 2019 wasn't that good at all. And so again, let me back up here is that we want to say thank you for being with us today. We know that you could choose and chosen to do anything, be anywhere, but yet you are here with us. You're with us online and we want to say thank you. We don't take it for granted. My name is Matt Garrison. I'm the family ministries pastor here. Pastor Matt Friend is spending some time away with family. We're excited about that. And I feel like today he is giving me the keys to the family car and I don't want to wreck it. All right, so we're going to have some fun today. And so again, this year we have coming up is the year 2020. This year has, I've seen so much play with this year for years past with organization. All right, see, we're not gonna wreck it, promise. It's gonna get better. But the year 2020, we see eyesight is, the standard is 2020. So churches, organizations, maybe even individuals, maybe 15, 20 years ago, kind of looked to this coming year and said, man, by 2020, we wanna do this, or we want to see this happen. And so that's what we're talking about today. Would you wanna do anything different in 2019? I have a story I wanna share with you. There's one thing, it happened just not too long ago that I think I would do differently. Uh, it happened on the first day of the buck firearm season. My son and I were in a, a two-person tree stand. He's on the right side, I'm on the left. We're kind of looking out this way. And I forgot to have a conversation with him to say, son, listen, anything that comes over here to the right, that's yours. You, you have first dibs on it, you can, you can shoot that. Anything that comes over here to the left, that's mine. I'll take, I'll take that shot. We good? Well, I didn't do that. So of course, we're kind of there, probably 40 minutes in the stand. I look over to my left here and I I kind of see something moving and kind of see the head move and kind of see the glow of an antler. I'm like, oh, that's a buck. So I pull up on it and I see it getting closer and I can see it's a pretty good buck. And so he's coming in, he's kind of coming straight at me so I don't have a good shot. The safety's off on the gun. By this time, as it's coming into range, Tyler sees it, my son. And so here's, he's, he's whispering this to me. He's like, hey, dad. Let me shoot it. Let me shoot it. And any good father, right? I'm, I'm a good father. I say this to my son. I say, no, no. It's my side. I'm going to shoot it. He's coming in. And dad, dad, come on. Come on. Let me shoot it. Let me shoot it. I'm like, no, I'm not going to. This is mine. I have it here. So he says the third time, dad, come on. So I say, all right, fine. But I'm going to stay on it in case you miss. I want this deer. So sure enough, he hits it, hits it again. And this is kind of, if I would have shot it, look at the smile on his face. I would have missed it. I'm getting teared up. This is supposed to be funny and it's backfiring. Like I would have missed that. 
So what I've done differently is just say, son, it's yours. Any, any deer you want to shoot with, or I'm with you, it's yours, buddy. I'm so proud of this dude. So, wow, I really, okay. Calm, calm. All right. So 2019, what are some things maybe we would want to do differently? And so why I'm so excited that I get to be here with you is this day, the last Sunday of 2019. We're looking forward in two days to starting a brand new year. And so this is the time of year where some of us, maybe we start reflecting back on what the year was like for us. Maybe it was good, maybe it was bad. Maybe there's some things that we chose to do that we shouldn't have done. Maybe there's some things that we want to change in the new year. So we go about maybe some goal setting, maybe some resolutions, if you will. And we look back on them and say, you know, I didn't accomplish that, but I really want to accomplish this. And maybe you're like me, that you've, you've had some goals that you set, and the new year comes, you're like, we're going to do this. This year, it's going to be different. So off we go. And I have done those as well. And some, I get to like 2.32 in the afternoon, 2 o'clock, 2.30 in the afternoon, January 2nd, and I'm off the track. Anybody else in here like that? Maybe you're better than I am, and you make it to maybe mid-March to beginning of April, and then kind of we fall off the track. And so the goals that we had, we just we kind of fall into the same pattern, the same routine. Again, we think, man, how can I change things up to make where it's going to be different? And maybe we start really thinking we've had the same goal or goals for the last two or three years. And they're all sorts of different goals. And so why would we have a message today entitled your best year ever? And so I want to call, I just kind of want to talk to those who might be a little nervous about this title. I can assure you, I can promise you that we're not going to be talking about, hey, if you just pray this, or if you just do that or do this, God is going to give you millions of dollars, or he's going to give you anything and everything that you want. That's not where we're going. Where I hope where we go today is that as we look a year from now, as we look back on 2020, we say something like, wow, what a year. Look at everything that God did in and through me. 2020 was a great year. It was one of my best years ever. And so for us to do that, what are some things that we need to have in place? What are some things that we need to have our best year ever? Number one is this, we have to begin a relationship with Jesus. If you're taking notes, just number one there, begin a relationship with Jesus. If we're gonna have the best year we possibly could have, we need a relationship with Jesus. Why? Because this is the most important decision that we will ever make. Why is that? Because this decision has eternal consequences, everlasting consequences. Think forever. And if anybody has seen the movie, The Sandlot, that part in there where it's forever, forever. It's lasting consequences. If we have a relationship with Jesus, we get to spend eternity with him, living the good life in heaven. John 3:16, one of the most well-known verses in all of scripture, is for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting or eternal life. And if we don't have this relationship with Jesus, the Bible says that we will be eternally separated, again, forever and ever and ever, away from God's presence in a place, a literal place called hell. And it's not a party. It's not a good place to be. 
And so if we're going to have our best year ever, if you've never come to that place where you realize that I'm a sinner and I need Jesus and I want to begin this relationship with Jesus to have your best year ever, that's why we exist as a church to implore, to beg, to tell you that we need Jesus and he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. And so as Ted mentioned earlier, at the end of the service, these doors right over here to your right, my left will open. There'll be men and women in there who would love the opportunity to introduce you to Jesus or any of us on staff. We would love to do that. So again, to have our best year ever, we need to begin a relationship with Jesus. And if we have a relationship with Jesus, then I would suggest we need to deepen or continue to develop that relationship with him. Some ways we can do that. Number two, as we get into this book of Philippians, is that we have to realize that the past is the past. Can you go back and change anything that happened to you in 2019? The choices you've made, the things that how life kind of happened to you, can you go back and change those? Absolutely not. We can't. So I want to give us a little background before we jump right in here into uh, chapter three is what we're going to look at the passage that Pastor Ted read to us is that <clears throat> it's written by this guy named Paul. He's a passionate follower of Jesus. He was a Jew of the religious sect group of people called the Pharisees. They didn't believe in Jesus. They hated Jesus. They were the ones who were responsible for killing Jesus. And so he was one of them. And so he was actually persecuting those, like legit persecuting, throwing those who claimed to follow Jesus in jail, agreeing kind of condoning the behavior of them being killed for their faith. Like, yes, I agree. That's what they need to do. That needs to happen. And so in Acts chapter 9, a book in the New Testament, chapter 9, we see Paul's conversion where he becomes this follower of Jesus and God uses him in mighty ways. And so Paul is writing to this church in Philippi. This is a Roman city. It's a military city. They have this proud military heritage. And so to claim that you follow Jesus, somebody else other than Caesar, Caesar, they believed was worthy of worship and we're going to worship Caesar. And if you don't, they were being persecuted, thrown into prison, beaten, killed for their faith. This is going on. So this church is suffering persecution. Not only that, Paul is writing this letter from a prison in Rome where he is. So he's writing to these believers to encourage them. And so in chapter three, he says in the passages before uh, verses 12, he's talking about the one thing that I want to do is I want to become like Christ in every single way. I want to have the mind of Jesus. I want to be perfect as Jesus was. That is my goal. And as he says this, he says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things. I haven't already achieved perfection. He says, what do I do? I press on to that perfection. I press on for which Christ Jesus first possessed me or called me. He says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. What is it? Forgetting the past and straining forward, looking forward or stretching forward till it lies ahead. The stretching forward is an athletic term. It's kind of like when you see somebody running in a race and it's coming down to the wire as they lean forward and they may stretch or lean their body forward to get to that finish line first. And Paul is saying, that's what I want to do with the entire time I'm racing is I forget the past and I keep looking to what is ahead. And so again, to have our best year ever, we have to realize we can't change the past. We can't, we have to deal with it. We can't go back and do things over or do things even different. It is what it is. We have to live with the results, good or bad. We have to. 
And maybe we have to come to the point where forgetting the past and moving on means that maybe we need to ask God to forgive us. Maybe somebody has offended or hurt us and we need to forgive them, whether or not they ever ask for forgiveness. Because if we don't forgive, what ends up happening is we essentially put ourselves in a prison. We become bitter. And those not associated, those, the person who hurt us, we then begin to hurt others around us because we refuse to forgive. So for us to move on, maybe we need to forgive them. Not what they have done is what we were saying, it's okay, but so that we can move on to the life that God has for us. Maybe we need to go up and ask forgiveness from others, or maybe we need to ask forgiveness of ourselves for the choices we've made. This next point, we're going to be here, we're going to camp out here just for a little while because it's so, I see this all the time. I think it's something that hits every single one of us. What else do we need to have our best year ever? Thirdly, we need the peace of God. We need the peace of God. Philippians chapter four, verses five through seven, Paul writes and says this to them, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Another translation says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Do you think 2020 is gonna bring some challenges that you're not expecting? I think so. I know that it's probably gonna happen to me. And when we experience stress or anxiety, what do we do? What do we do in those moments? And the reason why I wanted to, I feel like God wants us to, to talk about this is Anxiety and stress, studies are showing that one of the most affected demographics today, middle school, high school, college students, are some of the ones that suffer from anxiety and stress at that, those young ages. It's happening more and more and more. And not only that, as, as adults, we deal with stress and anxiety. We could define stress as kind of a momentary. Maybe it's, it's something that is coming in the future. It's an event. It's kind of on the calendar. We're, we're thinking all about it. But after that happens, after that particular day, it's over and we stop worrying about it. Like if I'm honest with you, today, me being up here in front of you was causing me some stress. Because why? I, I don't want to screw this up. I want to speak God's word to you. I hope that we leave here today with some things that, okay, this is, I need to do this, God, this, this, and this. And I just hope that I get out of the way and and God is speaking. But after today, the stress will kind of be leaving and and everything will go back to normal. Anxiety is something a little bit different. Anxiety, it it never goes away. That's the stress, the, the thoughts, just the anxiousness that's there. It's just kind of, we keep thinking things over and over and over and over. And it's always kind of in the background. It's always on. And so when we're there, what do we do? What do we do when we can't shut our brains down? When the stress, those anxious thoughts are running wild, keeping us up at night, 
when they're not allowing us to be fully present with our family or at work in meetings or at the ball games or at recitals, whatever, that these thoughts are just continually filtering through our mind. Well, we need the peace of God. Great, that sounds awesome. Yes, I need peace. How do I get it? Paul tells us some things to do here. Number one, he says this, we gotta understand that the Lord is near. That is a promise. He's saying, listen, y'all, again, remember, this church is suffering persecution. Not only that, as we're going to see here in the next point, that not only are they suffering persecution from outside the church, there's some stuff that's going on inside the church. There's some relationships, some factions, if you will, that are beginning to form. And it's causing division in the church. And so he's writing to this church and saying this in the middle of this persecution. He's saying, listen, the Lord is near. He is close to you. He is coming again soon, but he's right there with you. So they can take encouragement from that. Because of that, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, get, they're suffering legit persecution in every situation. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So every time we think about these anxious thoughts, whatever they may be, Paul says, instead of just saying, don't worry, let me ask you a question. When you're worrying about a situation and somebody comes up to you and, and you share that with them and they say, oh, don't worry about that. Does that really help? Oh, don't worry about that. Buck up, little camper, right? Every cloud has a silver lining. I don't even know what that means. Every cloud has a silver lining. Like, okay, is it some hope? I don't know, right? But in, in those times, sometimes we're, we, they mean well, but it just doesn't really help. And so Paul telling them, listen, don't be anxious. What do you mean don't be anxious? I could be thrown in prison today. I could be killed. I could be beaten today. He says, listen, instead of just don't be anxious, and he stops there. He says, no, 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 no. We can do something about it. We can take it to God in prayer. Let him know everything. Tell him. Tell him what's going on. Essentially what he's saying is name the anxiety. Because sometimes if we can't really pin it down, it's just kind of, it's in the dark. And the more things are in the dark, the more power they have over us because we can't really figure it out. And so what Paul is telling us, encouraging us is to shine the light there. Put the light on the fear, the shame, the guilt. Whatever is causing you to be anxious, shine light on it. Name it. God, I'm worried about this. And here's why. Maybe I'm not going to get a promotion at work. This friendship, we're kind of, it's rocky and I don't know what really why, but here's what I think. And you start praying, telling God everything. And it starts to shine light in the situation where it loses its power. And we know that God is near and we pray about all the stress. Matt, you understand. I think about things, maybe sometimes the same situation, what's ever going on. I stress out about things like 10,232 times a day. If we take Paul's advice here, we pray 10,232 times a day, giving it back to him. God, I'm thinking about this. Give me wisdom. I need you. I need you. I need you. And then when we do that, Paul says something happens. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So experiencing this peace, he says, is beyond understanding. It's kind of like, I don't know if you've seen somebody where their life is kind of, all around them is just falling apart. 
Maybe a lot, you know, kind of like Job is one that I think of when it, in, in Scripture. All this stuff happens to Job, but yet he's rock solid. His faith in God is strong. To where people may see that about you, they're like, man, if that were me, I would be falling apart. What is it? It's a peace that is passing understanding to which as we follow Jesus, we could say, you know, it, it's my faith in Christ. I don't know why I'm not falling apart. I just have a peace. There's a calm in, within me in the middle of this storm. And so this word guard as well, that it, this peace is going to guard our hearts and minds. For the longest time, until I really started digging into this passage, I thought it was like more like a shield. Like it's going to guard me. You know, anxiety comes in, it's kind of like a shield. That's not what that term means. This is a military term, essentially meaning that there is a battalion of soldiers, a garrison of soldiers that would be there to defend a city. Like this is the kind of guarding that the peace of God is going to do. What is it going to guard? Our hearts and minds. Well, what is that? That's our emotions. It guards our thoughts. I think sometimes our emotions, we, we kind of, thoughts, we like, no, this is the right thing to do, but it may not feel right. And so at times we may follow our emotions and just kind of let our emotions weave us in life. And sometimes it leads us to a place that's not very good. And then other times, our thoughts. Maybe we don't think true things. We start to believe lies that stress and anxiety can bring us. And I think that's why Paul moves on in verse 8 here to say, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. When we are in stressful times and there's a lot of negative going on around us, it starts to affect our minds, which then can affect the perception of everybody else around us. It would have been really easy for this church as they are experiencing persecution to think that everybody is evil, everybody is out to get me, and therefore I'm not going to interact with these people. I'm not going to share Christ with them because they're just gonna, they're out to get me. And so Paul is encouraging them, listen, no, no, no. We need to think about things that are true, things that are lovely and pure and praiseworthy and excellent. Because when we start listening to the negative self-talk, do you know what I'm, what I'm talking about? You make a mistake and those thoughts keep flooding into your mind. They come rushing in. I'm a loser. I'm an idiot. I'm no good. I always mess up. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. And on and on they go. Paul's encouraging them to start thinking about things that are true, that are right. And when those thoughts come into my mind, and yes, pastors, we deal with this. We struggle with this as well. They come into my mind. I think, man, I'm a loser. I'm such an idiot. I don't know why I did that. I don't know why I said that. What is going on, Jesus? I, I'm an idiot. I am a loser. I am worth nothing. To get my mind back on track, what I do today, this is a, a practice in counseling today, is I have to start thinking about things that are true. Get my mind to think on things that are actually true. Like, it is cloudy outside today. I am right now looking at trees. There are Christmas trees here decorated. I am on stage at Bible Center Church on December 29th. That is true. What else is true? I am loved by God. It doesn't matter what I do, how I perform. 
I am loved by God. I am his child. I'm not going to believe those lies about me. No matter what this day brings, it doesn't change the fact that I am accepted by God, that he wants to be with me. He wants to hang out with me. It's way different than family. I mean, it is, but it isn't. Think about this for a second. How many of you have family members? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you always love, how many of you, let's ask this question. How many of you love your family? I'd say, right. How many of you like your family all the time? Yeah. Right, a little uncomfortable right there. Like, uh, any of my family here? I don't want them to, to see, right? You don't always want to be around your family, but that's not the way it is with God. Yes, you love your family. Yes, God loves you, but he also likes to be with you. He wants to be with me. He likes me all the time. And so as this stress, these negative thoughts come in, that's what I do. I focus on that. Another thing I wanted to talk about too is, this is a very real thing. And what I'm not saying is like, oh, you're, you're, you're suffering from anxiety? Maybe it's some depression that's causing this? Hey, just pray. Everything will be all right. Just pray. Sometimes we need more help. That's why at Bible Center, as Ted just mentioned earlier, we have a counseling ministry. Because we believe very strongly here at Bible Center, we want this to be a place where it's okay to not be Okay. Because if we're honest, I don't think any of us are, 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 are doing 100% correct. We're all broken. We all struggle. We all deal with different things. And for some of us, it could be a physiological thing, like maybe something in our brain. The chemicals are not there. And so some of us, we may need more help than just talking to a therapist. We may need some medicine involved in that. And the hope that we find here is that the same author, Paul, writes to another church in the city of Corinth where we, in 1 Corinthians in the Bible, chapter 10, verse 31 says, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And so if we need medicine to kind of get our minds in the right balance, to function properly so we can function properly, then we take that medicine, we say, God, I'm doing this for your honor and your glory so I can function properly, so I can live the life that you've designed for me so that I can tell others about you and live in such a way that others will want to know about you. We pray, we experience this peace that comes from God. And what else do we need to have the best year ever? We need spiritual friends. We've been spending this year, kind of like a fiscal year from August to this coming July, we're focusing on making spiritual friends. Why? Because we need others in our lives who are gonna help us reach our fullest potential in Christ. We need each other. And so as I mentioned earlier, there's, there was some friction going on in this church. There were some people who kind of had some disagreements. And so Paul tells them in the end of chapter one, he's telling them this, listen, live, um, only let us live up to what we've, sorry, I'm in the wrong page here. There it is. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. He says, I know that you stand, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, saying you need each other. We're locking arms together because this fighting inside isn't going to do us any good. We need to be unified because there's enough trouble. There's enough stuff going on outside the church that we need to be encouraged 
encouraging to one another. That's why he says in chapter two, we're spending a little time here, he says, therefore, if any, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. Check this out. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Now, if that's not enough, he says, in your relationships with one another, our attitude, our minds should be the same as Christ Jesus. So he goes into what they call, the, this is called the, the Christ poem. In Philippians, this is kind of the book hinges around this passage. He says this, who, this is Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Meaning he is equal to God, and yes, he spoke words and hands, you know, withered hands are made whole. He would speak, people would touch him, they are healed. He had power, he was God. He didn't use it to his own advantage. What does he do? He says, rather, he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. So we have the king created everything, all power, all glory, majesty, beautiful. The king takes the role of a servant. And that'd be kind of humbling. He says, and being made in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Having the same attitude that Christ has when it comes to each other, that we're humble. By becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross, it was a humiliating way to die. It was on a cross, but yet Jesus did that for us. Therefore, this is great, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That we need each other. Life is so much better when we live in community with other believers, especially when it comes to the peace of God that we talked about with stress and anxiety. When we know we're not alone, when we know that I have others around me who care about me and love me, and they're gonna be praying for me, and they're gonna do whatever they can to help me through this. They're gonna share the burden, lifting the weight with me. Life is so much better that way. That's what the way God designed us is to be committed and in community to one another. Do you want somebody around you that has your best interests in mind? That thinks of your interests before their own? I do. I do. And I want to be that type of friend that thinks of others before I think of myself. Again, as I look back in 2019, there's some times where I got it right and sometimes I got it wrong, where I was selfish. I think we all do. But imagine you have people around you that just love you and care about you. That's why we're talking about making spiritual friends. So now what? This is great. What am I supposed to do now? Well, let me ask you this question. Do you want to have your best year ever? If you want to have your best year ever, I imagine most of us would say yes. And we have some choices, some action steps that we need to take. Number one, it's the same point as number one there. We need to begin a relationship with Jesus. Again, if you don't know Jesus, come talk to me. I'll be out here in the lobby after. One of the staff would love to chat with you. Those doors, again, will open at the, when we're done here. There'll be men and women in the prayer room who would love this opportunity to talk with you about what it means to follow Jesus. 
And for those of us who do have a relationship with Jesus, second step we need to do here is we need to leave the past in the past. Meaning, is there anybody that I need to forgive? Is there anybody that I need to go to and ask for forgiveness? What is there in my life where I need to really forgive myself because God has already forgiven me? Thirdly, commit to making spiritual friends. Commit to make, or excuse me, secondly, pray in every and any situation, giving it to Jesus over and over and over. Let him carry the weight. Peter tells us to cast all of our anxiety, cast all of our cares on him because he cares for us. And thirdly, commit to making spiritual friends, connecting in deeper ways to others so we can help each other reach our fullest potential in life. Do you want to have your best year ever? Would you do me a favor? Can we just bow our heads and close our eyes? We're about done. I want us to dream for a second. Their heads bowed, our eyes are closed. Yeah, just, just dream. I want us to picture this. Picture it's December 31st, the year 2020. It's a year from now. We're thinking back over the past year and we see everything that God has accomplished in our life. We are close to him. We've experienced his peace in stressful and anxious times. We've made some significant spiritual friends. So much so, the idea comes to our minds that we have no idea what we would do without them. How do we live life without them? We're so connected to one another. And we've seen some of our friends, our relatives, maybe even coworkers, with how close we were to Jesus in the lives that we began to live, that they wanted to know more about Jesus. And through us, our lives, and through our lives, they gave their lives to Jesus. Again, reality is, is this, that there's gonna be some ups and downs, but we knew Jesus and we experienced in ways that we never had. And the thing that keeps coming back to our minds over and over again as we think through this whole year was, man, that was the best year ever. That was the best year ever. That life is possible. It's not just a dream, it is possible. God wants the best for you. Will you commit to giving Jesus your life? Will you give him this year so you can have your best year ever? Jesus, as we close our time now, I thank you for these moments. I thank you for your word that you encourage us from the book of Philippians. I pray, Jesus, that those of us who deal with anxiety and stress, that we would experience your peace, help us to get any kind of help we may need. And I pray these last two days we have that we would spend time reflecting, seeing the goodness of you, knowing that you have helped us in our, this past year to give us confidence and hope, knowing that you will be with us in, the next, in this year that's coming up. We thank you for Jesus and thank you for your love. In your name we pray, amen. Once again, thank you for joining us this week. We look forward to serving you in next week's podcast, along with our weekend services every Sunday morning at 9 and 11 a.m.